Hello, podcast listeners. I'm your host, Jacko Zwetsuit. This is the NK News podcast today. It is Monday, May 16th, 2022. Joining me here in the studio, actually, that's not true. Joining me via Zoom are three members of the NK News and NK Pro team to discuss North Korea's admission of a COVID outbreak and what that means. But first, please leave a review about this podcast on iTunes or wherever uh, you download the podcast and share it with colleagues and friends and even enemies. On Spotify, you can leave a rating but no reviews, so please do that. If you're listening to this on YouTube, please click like and subscribe. Secondly, do go and check out nknews.org, where you will find all the latest in-depth stories written by the excellent journalists joined by me today, and many more. Consider buying a subscription for a year. It's much more affordable than you think, and that helps to fund the excellent journalism that my colleagues put out each and every single day. Thirdly, follow us on Twitter. You can find each of our handles in the show notes, and nknews.org is the general one for the whole platform. Now, to introduce our three guests on the, the uh, roundtable today, although we're doing it without a table, we have NK News and NK Pro founder and managing director, Chad O'Carroll. We also have two correspondents from NK News, Jongmin Kim and Ifang Bremer. Welcome on the show, everyone. Hello. Morning, everyone. Hello. Ifang, this is your first time to join us on a, a so-called round table. So welcome. How does it feel? Yeah, thank you, Jacko. Yeah, it feels good to be here. Yeah. Excellent. What was the first sign last week that something was going on in North Korea that was different from previous weeks? I guess, Chad, we can start with you. Yeah, so we had a source that um, tipped us off on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, saying that the capital city had gone into a sudden lockdown. And they're basically, we, we've seen since COVID broke out in North Korea, short lockdowns of about 24 hours, sometimes when there is particle dust uh, being blown in from uh, China. Mm -hmm. And so it was an initial thought that it could be like that. But the source said that there was something rather unusual about this time in the sense that around 2 p.m. Um, there were long lines forming at bus stops in the capital. People were all going home in the middle of the day, which is really unusual in North Korea. And uh, then the source uh, gave us updates throughout the day and the next day. And then we start hearing from other sources that they were also aware of this lockdown and that it did seem unusual. And some people said there'd even been some panic buying just on that day when uh, residents were told to go home. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was uh, after two days of them all being locked up in their compound and not being able to go out and being told they can't go to shops, etc. We had the um, rather uh, stark news break from uh, North Korean state media, which basically said, yes, we do have coronavirus and the capital is locked down. So that, wow. that's how we, we, we heard about it um, initially. There was a two-day lag between when people in Pyongyang were being told to go home and them coming clean through state media about what was going on. Is that lockdown believed to still be ongoing? Yes, uh, I spoke to sources a couple of days ago and it was still ongoing then. I'm, I'm waiting to find out uh, if that's still the case in Pyongyang this morning, but I don't see any reason why it would, wouldn't be the case. <clears throat> Incidentally, there were, there were two different sources on Tuesday last week who said, uh, who actually gave numbers of how long they, were, they might be expected to lock down for. One said five days, one said 10 days. I don't know um, if either of those are accurate or if it's just an optimistic take or what, but we know from Shanghai, people were told four days and it was just day 60 today. So who knows? 
Uh, Chad, our listeners may have heard that you your audio sounds a bit different, and that's because I'm actually recording your audio because you're doing this on the phone. You're in the car, aren't you? That's right, yeah. We're, I'm driving right now uh, across the bridge in Seoul, and I'm going uh, to towards Kangwa, which is the island adjacent, the South Korean island adjacent to North Korea. And basically thought it would be valuable to go to as many border points as possible today. Yeah. And just take a look at what kind of things are are visible. I did actually do this last week. I went to Odusan, which is the, the one closest to Seoul, on the day of the outbreak in uh, Pyongyang, or the, mm. sorry, the day of the lockdown in Pyongyang. And I did see people continuing to do their farming as usual, which was a surprise. So yeah, kind of expect, I am expecting to see normal agricultural activities ongoing based on what I've been hearing, uh, which doesn't seem intuitive if they are doing lockdowns but then again i've also heard that they're they're telling worker units to continue their activities as normal but just not to mingle with other worker units i don't know how effective that will be against omicron could it be that the lockdown is only citywide in pyongyang we have also heard sinuiju this morning in state media is locked down and uh, a source in dandong said last night that they had not been able to see any activity on the sinuiju side of the border since May 12th, I believe. I can, so, I can yeah. explain a little bit more on what state media has been talking about it on the lockdown. Yes, please, Jongwen, tell us. Well, right, actually, first so, of all, what do they call coronavirus and Omicron variant in North Korean? So first of all, when they first reported on May 12th, which is two days after NK News heard from sources, they said that the first case of self Omicron variant BA.2 was um, from Pyongyang, and that it was May 8th. So there was apparently a two-day or less lag between when we heard and when apparently it, it was the, the case was first tested. And when it comes to lockdown, it seems that the order from the command is that the, the, the movements between regions as well as the work, living, and production units are banned. But it seems that within the unit, they're still allowed to go ahead with whatever economic activity they have been uh, doing. And it seems that Kim Jong-un is not willing to sacrifice its economy uh, with COVID anti-epidemic measures, which now he's calling maximum emergency anti-epidemic measures. But uh, I'm not sure if it's that feasible, because if goods and people uh, stop flowing from one unit to another, it will definitely limit how much they can produce. And um, Kim Jong-un has also stressed that um, there are other, there are construction goals like uh, 10,000 houses in Hwasong that he is saying that that should still meet the deadline despite all this crisis. Wow. Uh, now, also, just uh, back on the uh, the language question for a moment there, I understand that uh, North Korea likes the, the term um, fever of unknown origin rather than coronavirus, or does it use both? Right, right. so uh, on, on, in some contexts, they do say COVID, but when it comes to the state media reports about the numbers, they yeah. refer to the fever, Yuyarja in Korean. And it seems that the reason, potential reason why they are counting based on that one symptom fever could be from the lack of COVID-19 test kit or lack of testing facilities, uh -huh. because it seems now the number of uh, fever-ridden patients is not just in Pyongyang where the testing facilities are probably um, focused at. 
Currently, is any segment of the North Korean population believed to be vaccinated against COVID? <clears throat> yeah, no, no. I, I, as far as we know, no one in the uh, foreign community in North Korea is vaccinated. Um, whether there may be parts of the leadership that are vaccinated, we just don't know for sure. There are some rumors, but there's also been reports that you may remember from a year or two ago where there, there were also rumors that the leadership itself was skeptical about the quality of some of these vaccines. So we just don't know. Ifan, uh, tell us about some of the statistics that you've been reporting over the last few days. Yeah, so on Saturday, North Korea reported about 174,000 new cases of what they call fever. Mm -hmm. um, on Sunday, they added 260,000 more. And then on Monday, um, 390,000. So the total case number since end of April would be roughly around 1.2 million cases of fever already. Okay. Um, wow. And a and death rate of 50 right now. Um, so 50 yeah. deaths are actually uh, reported by the North Korean government. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jongwen, you were going to add? No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Are these figures believable, Ifan? I mean, that's a very good question. We we have no way of of knowing that. It's it's a very vague description of what qualifies as a fever case. Is it just having fever, or are there also these known coronavirus symptoms being included? So yeah, we we actually don't know. And it seems that North Korea's testing ability is also um, quite limited. Uh, which might be another reason that they're referring to this as fever. But as right. I said, um, yeah. Because, I mean, there are, uh, my limited understanding of this is that you, a special kind of test is required to identify the exact type of virus, right? So uh, it, it, yeah. they could simply be going by numbers of people who are showing up with some kind of illness. Yes, that's my understanding of what's what's happening right now in North Korea, yeah. Right. Now, was the North Korean government maintaining its line that up until the end of April, zero people had been infected since the epidemic began in early 2020? Um, that's a good question. Jongmin, do you know about that? Jacqueline, well, are you asking when they started? No, I was asking whether uh, until this most recent outbreak, North Korea was saying that uh, no people had ever been infected with coronavirus. Right. That was a pride point from North Korean regime's point of view, that nobody officially um, was infected from COVID. If you remember one of military parade speeches in, uh, in the past few years, if you remember the Kim Jong-un speech where he shed tears, that was when he thanked his people yeah. for staying healthy during COVID and so on and so forth. And very recently also, um, they, they maintained that position. But also, if we see state media... Um, they they do not exactly say a date when when the the fever exponentially uh, was seen in Pyongyang and in other in other counties in other cities. And April, late April, it just really it, it's in line with when they held the very big military parade where people were not people were seen not wearing masks on April twenty fifth. Right. They had that big parade that we, of course, uh, uh, live streamed on YouTube. Uh, people can still go back and look for that. It's my understanding that there have been no international flights into or out of Pyongyang for a long time. Is that correct, more or less? Yeah, that's correct. Since uh, the last international flight was in March 2020, when there were a, a delegation of diplomats leaving North Korea and three or so Russians arrived back. OK, so that's been uh, more than two years. So how do we imagine 
this outbreak came to Pyongyang, uh, Jongmin, is it basically that it was the the people brought in from around the country to participate in the parade are believed to have brought the virus with them? I, I really must say that this is really tea leaf reading at, at this stage because the testing tracking, it's very different environment in North Korea. They don't release the exact contact tracing right. um, methods like uh, other parts of the world do. But I can imagine that uh, there, there, there would have, there, there could have been some cases near the border, although the border was strictly <laughs> locked down. And during the parade, there were other region people that were that that came to that they were invited to the military parade in Pyongyang. So that could have been uh, the the spreader event. But but the bottom line is we don't know. We don't know. Uh, Chad, just to check on your uh, schedule there, at what time are you likely to arrive at uh, Kanghua Island, uh, west of Gimpo? Um, I think we're, we're not that far away from it right now, but um, the, the part we're going to to start is probably not for another hour, I'd say. Yeah, ah. about an hour from now. Okay, well, with it, unfortunately, we won't be able to follow that on this particular podcast, but we uh, look forward to... Uh, uh, a story from you in the coming days on NK News about what you've seen there uh, from Ganghwa. Uh, Ifang, back to you. How is North Korea tackling this outbreak? Yeah, uh, first of all, I think we should add that throughout the pandemic, there have been rumors of coronavirus being present in North Korea. Um, again, there's no way of knowing that for sure, but um, the current outbreak, I think, really shows that even with probably the the most strict um, border lockdown in the world, uh, there's just no way of stopping this virus from uh, coming in. Mm. So what's interesting is that on Saturday, the Norong Shimun state newspaper included what seemed to be uh, a list of treatment instructions, uh-huh. um, which included uh, very basic things like rinsing with salt water, um, eating yogurt. Rinsing uh, in what, of- the inside of your mouth? Yeah, huh. yeah, that's right. Um, and mostly antibiotics to prevent uh, bacterial infection on top of the virus. All in all, very basic methods, it seems, mm. um, which is also quite worrisome. It's, yeah. And they've uh, pulled out, or they've called out over a, a million North Koreans, uh, I understand, from the headline of your recent story, Yifang. Tell us more yes, about that. Yes, that's right. So they say they um, mobilized 1.3 North Koreans, both military and non-military uh, to help prevent the spread of the virus. It seems that they are locking down neighborhoods and uh, sections and also places where people work so that the work can somehow continue. Um, but all it's all still very vague. Um, it seems to be also kind of panicky. On Sunday, party officials reportedly started donating spare medicine uh-huh. <laughs> amid efforts to supply... What, just uh, any kind of medicine? Just any kind of medicine, it says right. in the Nonong Shimun, to supply all parts of the country with uh, sufficient medication. So, yeah, the situation seems to be quite quite dire at this moment. Also, Are they basically following the Chinese method, uh, as far as we can see? Um, yeah, well, one thing also that was reported in the Nonong Shimun this weekend is that uh, Kim Jong-un recommended officials to learn from other countries, and mm-hmm. in particular, China. Yes, right. that's right. Uh, John, were you were going to say? Oh, sorry, Chad. Yeah, Jacko, for um, any lockdowns work in North Korea, if they're going to learn from China, uh, they'll be needing to do a lot of testing. And it seems there's not much testing capacity, which therefore means 
they won't really know when it's safe to let people, residents out from certain areas back to normal life. Right, as you said, it's a it's a blunt instrument if if all you can test for is uh, is fever. Um, Jong yeah, has exactly. has South Korea offered any vaccinations or uh, antiviral medicines? So far, there were some talks about it. The the new president, new South Korean president Yoon Seok-yeol, um, through the spokesperson, um, he seems to have been suggesting that we can we can help North Koreans with assistance on COVID nineteen vaccines or treating the already infected patients, but it seems that um, there has been no announcement on any formal formal offer to North Korea through things like inter-Korean hotline. Uh, but yeah, there were some talks about it. And the United States said, said that there's no um, plan to uh, share vaccines with North Korea in a bilateral sort of way. But mm -hmm. if they um, if the COVAX decides to send some of the Pfizer vaccines that U.S. already donated, they'll be on board. But primarily, they were faulting the North Korean regime for putting their people under peril by not taking inter international aid so far. And just to add on to Yifang's point about the medical donation from the party officials in Pyongyang, it also could be a part of their propaganda methods as well, because even Kim Jong-un, who, who started wearing masks, he also um, made a big deal on um, donating his own reserve medicines prepared by his family, according to state media, and suggested to the party committee to send Kim Jong-un's medicines to families in difficulty, um, according to state media. And of course, many state media articles about the North Korean COVID-19 countermeasures say that no other capitalist countries are like this and that the general secretary is being, Kim Jong-un is being very generous with sharing what he has to the people. So this is part of their propaganda methods as well. And about the medicine, but, but just do... to, to reiterate there, the medicine mm -hmm. that Kim Jong-un is donating, we don't have any evidence that he's donating medicine specific to COVID, do we? Uh, yeah, we do not know what kind of medicine he is um, donating. But if we see the the folk remedy articles that we found was re referring to, yeah. they also mention what we consider as count, uh, over the counter medicines um, like ibuprofen. But I actually wanted to ask chat about this. If the changmadangs are closed, like the markets on the street, that isn't so over the counter anymore, isn't it? Like ibuprofen in North Korean setting. Yeah, well, one of the big problems in North Korea since the outbreak of COVID has been the absence of medicine, just even regular over-the-counter stuff. The Russian ambassador uh, actually complained about this publicly about a year ago. The train deliveries that took place this year are probably uh, have replenished supplies somewhat, but whether that's trickled through to you know cities and towns in far-flung regions is is unclear. So yeah, I would say that, that even Tylenol and things like that are probably in relatively short supply. And then when you think about things like ventilators, if people get really sick, I, I doubt whether they have many of those at all. Yeah, it's ventilators and also uh, an oxygen tank. So one would imagine would be in short supply there. Right, and some of the uh, some of the sanctions exemption through one seven one eight sanctions committee, there were some ICU related goods um, and COVID nineteen test kits and so on and so forth that was pledged um, exempted in the past two years. But I'm uh, very doubtful that any big bulk of these actually went into North Korea. What would it feasibly take to vaccinate most of the North Korean population, even at this late stage? 
huge deliveries of vaccine. Um, depending on the type of vaccine, you might need quite significant cold chain infrastructure and you'd need time, right? Because a lot of these vaccines require two or sometimes more jabs and there are uh, numbers of days you have to wait in between each one. So it seems like it's far too little too late. The only positive I think you can say from all of North Korea's situation is, remember Omicron broke out in South Africa first and the impact in South Africa was not too severe because South Africa has a mainly young population and uh, North Korea also has a pretty young population. So that may help in terms of just natural defenses against the very worst of this. Yeah, so according to Dr. Key Park, who has been monitoring the situation very closely, he has been arguing that vaccines like AstraZeneca, if, if there are any big doses going into North Korea, it may work because North Korea already went through some epidemics and they do have similar cold chain systems that may work in some part of the countries, including mm -hmm. the capital. But um, remember how United States over the weekend was like, if we already donated Pfizer to COVAX. And if COVAX sends it to North Korea, we're on board. But Pfizer's mRNA and mRNA requires much more complicated cold chain system. And without the help on those equipments, it will be very difficult to administer mRNA vaccines to North Korea. Gosh, what are the, the possible knock-on effects of... Uh a real full-blown outbreak of the coronavirus in North Korea in terms of, I guess, uh, food production or uh, local instability or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it could be, you know, if, if it really rips through the country and they do start having to do Chinese-style lockdowns everywhere and people can't go to work, that obviously has a huge economic impact. Then you've got the agriculture, the farming. If people can't farm, it's the end of rice planting season right now. Then when harvest comes later in the year, that's going to obviously be another big problem set. If political elites start dying, um, especially, you know, we, we do know there are a lot of elderly within that uh, cohort, then that could translate into um, political displeasure. And uh, yeah, just in general, in terms of the general population, I mean, if, if we do see a sizable number of people dying, then this is probably going to be the worst humanitarian crisis since the famine and it could even be worse i think it really just all depends on what i was saying earlier like how how much of a factor does the relatively young nature of their population play into the level of of death and public health problems compared to the rest of the world yes now i, I think Ethan, you reported that there was a, a, an elderly member of pyongyang's elite that died quite recently and kim jong-un went to his funeral uh, is that correct Yes, that's right. Young Hyun Sop, one of the oldest members of the North Korean elite, died at the age of 96 this mm -hmm. weekend. But state media did not mention COVID-19, claimed passed away of a stroke. So, uh, yeah. It's certainly possible at 96, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Kim Jong-un's appearance at his funeral beer. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed to, there, there was a picture included uh, in the newspaper and there seemed to be uh, many people around. There was a musical band, all without masks, and uh, Kim Jong himself was wearing a black mask of what seemed to be a bit of a higher grade than what he has been wearing previously. So it seems that he's still surrounding himself with uh, many people. So yeah, that's that's not noteworthy, I guess. Yeah. Is this the first time that we've seen Kim Jong Un wearing masks in public? As far as I know, yes, uh, Jong Min. Yeah, I, I also think that it's the first time. Well, it'd be interesting to see uh, 
how this changes in the, in the coming weeks. Now, lately, we've been reporting on uh, North Korean uh, missile tests and also the possibility of even a nuclear blast test coming up in the near future. Just um, remind us, Chongmin uh, or Ifang, uh, were there tests last week also? Right. So I can I can explain this part. This was Thursday evening. Um, evening missile tests are very rare, but it was also notably the same day as when they reported the first COVID-19 case on state media. Mm. Um, and North Korea did not end up reporting on this missile test later on, but South Korean military said that North Korea fired three short-range ballistic missiles towards the East Sea. That was the flight range 360 kilometers, altitude 90 kilometers. It does sound like multiple rocket launchers. Um, it could also come from how this administration compared to the previous Moon administration is more willing to publicize the um, uh, politically lower level the missile test to the public. Mm. Um, but yes, it was, it, it, if we count it in, it was the 15th missile test event of the year. And right. it was the first in South Korea's, um, Yoon Sagyar was sworn in as president. Yes, that's right. He hadn't even been president for a week yet. And uh, there's already been some short range ballistic missiles tested. We've been talking about the possibility of a nuclear test, particularly looking at activity up in the area of Pungeri, where there is a, a tunnel system that they've used in uh, in previous years. That tunnel system was was blown up, but they were believed to be uh, reinforcing tunnels again or something like that. Can you uh, correct my failing memory? So you're right. And people like the formal now former chief of South Korea's intelligence agency, Park Ji-won, has been saying, has been confirming yeah. that the, the Tunnel 3 of, of that site has been being restored and uh, other OSINT uh, communities have also been talking about it. And according to Park, it could be something like a testing of a miniaturization of a lighter weight nuclear weapon, something like a tactical nuclear weapon test. And what I think is interesting is that uh, last week, experts told us that even though North Korea is going through such a big crisis right now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will not conduct missile tests or even a nuclear test, well, uh, this... perhaps even as a way to reassure the people of the country's strength despite COVID. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. I, I do think that's a question worth exploring. How could this outbreak of COVID affect North Korea's political calculus in deciding whether to charge on ahead with these tests or to rein itself in? On the one hand, Ifang, you point out that yet yeah, domestically it could send a message to its people that everything is normal and we're not going to let this stop us. But on the other hand, would donor countries and organizations not be less uh, would be not be likely to show less empathy uh, to North Korea if it conducts or prepares to conduct a nuclear test? Yoon actually said exactly that. Um, not Yoon, but Yoon's top aide, Kim Sung Han, who is now head of the National Security Office, said mm. um, that the meeting condemned strongly condemned North Korean missile tests, and the primary primary reason was a quote unquote dualistic attitude because the country is going through COVID nineteen. And crisis, and they are using this political capital on missile tests. But then to Yifeng's point, I think that could also backfire, wouldn't it? Because although the intention might be that they are trying to boost people's morale by um, testing more weapons and potentially nuclear weapons during the COVID-19 crisis, if, uh, it wouldn't look that well to, 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 to some of the population who's going through crisis. That's right. I mean, yeah. of course, it's impossible to uh, to, to um, project our thoughts onto uh, North Koreans, but surely at some stage, 
most people would think, why is my government so concerned about testing nuclear weapons and missiles when here we are uh, looking for vaccines and medicine that they can't get to us? Well, just don't forget, though, that the missile three last missile events have not been reported on in domestic state media. So they might right. not know about missile tests. Presumably they would report on uh, nuclear testing in, in state media. That's always been yeah. a big sort of proud moment. But um, frankly, you know, we've never had three missile test events in a row where they've been quiet about them. And it's also possible that they're shifting how they play these missile tests in terms of presentation in external facing media. You know, one one school of thought is that uh, they don't want to embarrass China too much with nuclear tests and, and missile tests while Chinese senior representatives like Liu Xiaoming have been touring the world, trying to talk to different uh, partners and stakeholders and calling for North Korea sanctions relief. I don't know the reason that they're, they're not making noise, but maybe that, that's the start of a new strategy with regards to testing. And, you know, it could even, even be down to what we've just described, there being a concern within even the propaganda apparatus that it's not a good look to be going through a COVID situation and, you know, trumpeting missile tests on the front pages of the Rolong Shinmen. So, Chad, what do you think about uh, the the political calculus of North Korea regarding specifically a, a nuclear test and how that might be affected by this outbreak? Well, yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, I when it comes to the timing of the, the nuclear test, they've missed one obvious political milestone, which was Yoon's inauguration. Hmm. Um, there's also Biden's forthcoming visit um, for the summit in South Korea. That could be another opportunity. And then there's U.S. Memorial Day, Day towards the end of May. Those kind of dates have always been um, good in North Korean terms for holding or sorry, for launching missiles or for uh, detonating nuclear devices. But I I've said this on Twitter the other day, after the plenum of December 2019, when Kim Jong-un basically gave up on diplomacy with the U.S. or trying to get sanctions relief, I really think we've seen a change in how North Korea looks at these tests and the five-year plan which came out in uh, January 2021 at the Eighth Party Congress which included these really wild military modernization goals. I think that the timing is basically for, for all of these forthcoming tests is probably being driven by that five-year plan first and foremost and political considerations are actually much much lower on the um, decision-making calculus than they were in times past and the one way we'll know if this is true or not what i'm saying is whether or not we see north korea use biden's visit to test the nuclear device or whether we he goes for memorial day in the yes. past he would have done that because it, there would have been some political leverage and it could be you know currency and negotiations but i really just think that the north koreans don't care about south korea or the u.s anymore Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Biden's uh, upcoming visit. I believe he's uh, set to come. We're recording this on Monday, the 16th, and he's expected to uh, to land in Seoul this Friday, the 20th of May. Am I right on that? Yeah. Uh, and what I mean, there's obviously a lot for uh, the United States and South Korea's new president, Yoon Suk-yeol, to talk about. But uh, I, I can only imagine that North Korea has got to be pretty close to the top of that list of priorities. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, Jong-min, you've been tracking this closely. Any thoughts? 
Yes, what's the signaling or messaging coming out of the uh, the US and South Korean governments, Jongmin, ahead of this uh, this first summit between the two leaders? Well, from from North Korea or no, from South Korea and the US. Right. So um, there hasn't been any on record briefings where they talked about the the exact topics, but over the weekend it seems that a, a government official gave a back briefing, and they have been saying that there would be three main topics of discussions likely between Biden and Yoon. One is North Korea, of course, but it seems like it's focused on the weapons development. Second would be uh, pressing international affairs, which to me sounds like something about Ukraine or including Ukraine issue. Mm -hmm. And thirdly, the supply chain and the what Yoon calls the economic security issues. Okay, all right. There's certainly a, a broad range of things to, uh, to right. be talking about. Basically Dang, everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Basically everything. Right. Uh, but certainly with this outbreak, I mean, uh, going back to the numbers that Ifan quoted us earlier, we've got, uh, what, 1.2, 1.3 million people infected in, uh, or uh, uh, let me be careful with it, with my words here, 1.2 or so million people uh, reported to have been infected with COVID in North Korea in the last week. Uh, I think that that would certainly come close to the top of the agenda there in terms of pressing matters uh, right. and, and, and what to do about whether to send, um, you know, just to... To, to drive trucks up to Kaesong industrial zone full of uh, vaccinations, leave the keys in the ignition and just uh, let the North Koreans take care of it from there. <laughs> Actually, this will be, I think, a very important testing ground for uh, from North Korea's point of view, maybe on both US and South Korea, because since even during the Moon administration and similarly under the UN administration, they have been reiterating their principle that the humanitarian issue should be separated separated mm. from the political or military matters. But so far, we did not really have that kind of situation, like a pressing situation, where we sort of have to decide whether or not to do the two-track approach towards aiding and um, deterring, right? So I think yeah. it will be something difficult to and very important to strategize between the allies. And I guess it's also worth highlighting just the uh, the stark difference between the two Koreas uh, in how the <clears throat> coronavirus outbreak has been handled since the beginning. I mean, in in South Korea, the uh, the largest surge of of outbreaks didn't occur until early this year, uh, when we had hundreds of thousands of people infected uh, every single day. As of yesterday, the uh, the number of infections was down to twenty five thousand people per day, with uh, 48 deaths recorded for yesterday, and a total number of deaths in South Korea since COVID began in early 2020 of um, 23,709 people, which is, uh, uh, for a population of South Korea, is remarkably small, looking at some of the, the numbers worldwide. And South Korea also has a, a, a vaccination rate of very, very close to 87%. So we're, I think, I mean, the, the, the tragic reality is that at some point in the future, um, South and North Korea will be a really interesting scientific test case for uh, two extremely different ways of, uh, of battling a pandemic. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, though, we probably will never get any reliable data from the North Korean side. So it will be hard to compare. And you know, though I was mentioning earlier about how there is North Korea has the benefit of a younger population, we should not forget there is also a lot of older people there. And as you said, they're up they they are having existing underlying health conditions. There, there's malnutrition, and so when you look at what happened in Hong Kong amongst the unvaccinated elderly population, it was like real devastation, highest per capita death COVID I think world. 
And so that could give a taste of what happens in North Korea amongst their older at-risk populations. So it's, it is a pretty uh, grim outlook from now. And it does seem that the North Koreans are not very well prepared to deal with this. And given they want to keep the economy going, um, they're, they're making compromises already on, it seems, the, the, the very strict Chinese approach, which hopefully this border visit I'm doing right now will shed a bit more light on whether they're doing this uh, flexible approach also in the border. Yeah, uh, Yifeng, um, the uh, the information that we're getting out of North Korea right now, that's just from uh, monitoring North Korean media, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. And and actually this morning, if we can just go back to talking about medication, uh, medicine supply for a bit. Yeah. Kim Jong-un uh, ordered uh, the mobilization of soldiers to stabilize the uh, medicine supply. Uh, that's just from today. And What does that mean? What it means is that Kim Jong-un seems to really focus on having pharmacies open 24-7. And he's criticized the fact that that has not been possible so far. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to be primarily relying on uh, medication called interferon alpha-2, which is an antiviral medication which seems to be discouraged by the U.S. government to use for COVID. Mm. But um, maybe there are some doctors listening to this podcast who can, yeah, maybe send us some information if, about that. If, yes, if Frank, do you remember just just in terms of Kim Jong Un and um, you know maybe being focused on pharmacies being open twenty four hours? Yeah. Um, Ifang, do you remember those photos I shared with you that we couldn't publish last week of inside a North Korean hospital yes. uh, near the South Korean border? That Those photos were taken in um, a, a couple of years before the pandemic, so te- technically in the good times. And what you saw is really very harrowing scene of uh, rusting operating da- tables, a huge lack of medicine, no running water, no inpatient capability. It was it looked really, really grim. So I, I don't see how keeping pharmacies open 24 hours would be some kind of silver bullet with regards to the outcome of this uh, potential tragedy. I'm just wondering yeah, and, how and, uh, practically, uh, even if you have a pharmacy open 24 hours a day, if people are under lockdown, how are they supposed to get to them? Right. Exactly. That's a good <laughs> and, question. Yeah. Right. And also, um, if, if they are lucky and their, their units involve that pharmacy nearby maybe they're lucky um but it seems like with the lockdown measure and the the primary focus on keeping the pharmacies open it just sounds very ironic to me honestly yes uh, to come back to my earlier question you that uh, the information we're getting is just from monitoring north korean media has north korea actually has the, the government of north korea actually made any uh, external statements for example has it sent any message to the World Health Organization or to Gavi or COVAX or any other uh, international body at all? So the, the latest information from the World Health Organization is that they are they say that they're in touch with the Ministry of Health officials of the DPRK, but they haven't received any official report yet about uh, confirmed COVID-19 cases. Um, and actually, the, they, they, uh, the WHO told us that they reviewed and approved uh, a pretty extensive plan to make the DPRK eligible to receive vaccines uh, through COVAX. Yeah. Um, but North Korea has not um, replied to that. Right. And previously, there were two 
uh, offers to give vaccinations that North Korea turned down, right? Three. Three. Yeah. So uh, there were AstraZeneca vaccines that were a pledge through COVAX. Yeah. And there was Novavax that a country bilaterally pledged. And there was also Sinovac from China. Uh, For China, Sinovac, North Korea, I should say, politely rejected, saying uh, that they would rather have it go to countries that need it more. <laughs> but that's their just polite way of saying we don't want it. And AstraZeneca vaccines, there were a big dose pledged, but after a while after North Korea continued not to take them in, I think late last year, the, the cycle ended. So COVAX had to redesignate it to other countries. And Novavax also, it, it became of zero doses at one point. It seems they did not really respond positively. It really makes you wonder why, why they're so reluctant to take these vaccines. And um, from the news that's coming out of state media right now, it just seems like it's too too late anyway. Yeah. Yeah, when I was talking to various sources that know the North Koreans quite well last year um, about this kind of question, a lot of people said that the way North Korea sees this uh, coronavirus situation is it's really a national security threat. And as a result, there's huge suspicion about any inbound goods or donations or visitors that come into the country. There were fears, it was suggested to me that people may deliberately bring the virus in clandestinely amongst humanitarian cargoes, etc. And that was basically one of the reasons they, they didn't want any outside help. It's oh. quite an extreme theory. I don't know if it's accurate, but it certainly sounds like the way North Korea's Ministry of State Security might approach problems. Right, that ultimately becomes a security issue. Uh, last question to you all. What things will you be looking to see in the next couple of days? Number one for me is just hearing from sources in Pyongyang whether there's any sign that their hard lockdown is ending soon. Number two, whether at the border today there are signs of the lockdown being expanded to rural areas. Those, I think, would be two interesting indicators. And of course, the daily updates of caseload data that the North Korean state media has been publishing. Right. Jongmin? Uh, yeah, I was just going to add, uh, I'm trying to verify this, but it seems that the uh, per one report from Chuseon Biz, it seems that the unification minister, Kwon uh, uh he seems to have said that the reason for the reason why North Korea hasn't been allowing the vaccines in, uh, part of the problem was that when the companies are aiding vaccines, there are some issues with uh, take, taking responsibility, basically, when there are side effects. But they have been asking to get exemption from it, uh, considering the very particular situation this is with COVID. But North Korea hasn't been agreeing to that. But I couldn't verify this independently. Mm. And Yifang, what will you be looking for? I'll be curious to find out if North Korea is going to respond to any of the international aid offers, either from right. South Korea or the WHO, um, and also state media updates about uh, yeah, medication. That's very important. All right. Well, we'll certainly be following that here uh, at NK News. Uh, Chad, any story that you write today or tomorrow about the uh, what you're seeing up along the border, I'll have... Uh, put in a request to have that put uh, added to the show notes so that people who are listening to this podcast can click on that and uh, go and read the story after listening to this. All right. Yeah, thanks. 
All right. Thanks to Chatter Carol Jongman Kim and Ifan Grema for joining me on the podcast today. Ladies Thank and gentlemen, you. if you already have an NK News account and if you're a think tank business or academic institution, take a look at NK Pro. Our NK Pro platform offers unparalleled services specifically catered to the needs of professionals who monitor developments on the Korean Peninsula. You can inquire about access or a free trial at membership at nknews.org today. Our thanks, as always, to Arias Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating this podcast and to our post-recording producer genius, Gabby Magnuson, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Thanks and listen again next time.